Welcome to What the F is Going On in Latin America and the Caribbean, Code Pink's weekly YouTube program of hot news out of the region, in partnership with Friends of Latin America, Massachusetts Peace Action, and Task Force on the Americas. We broadcast every Wednesday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Code Pink YouTube Live. Today's episode is titled Challenging the U.S. Narrative Against Mexico. On Sunday, April 10, Mexicans went to the polls to determine whether sitting President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador should or should not remain in office to finish the remaining three years of his six-year term. Of the approximately 16 million citizens that participated, over 90% voted yes. Yes, AMLO should continue his presidency. Several of the energy reforms envisioned for his remaining three years are not supported by Washington, as suggested in a series of anti-energy reform articles published by Bloomberg beginning last year. The most recent article titled Mexican Opposition Party to Vote Against AMLO's Power Bill was published April 4, just six days prior to the April 10 referendum. And then on April 22nd, published in the Washington Post, an opinion piece titled, AMLO has already lost half of the people who brought him to power. It is clear what Washington wants, but what do the Mexican people want? To give us some context as to the April 10 vote and the ramifications of the results is journalist Alina Duarte joining us live from Mexico City. Alina reports for Sin Censura, has a Sunday 1 p.m. Eastern program live on Scene Censura. She is also a journalist with Canal 14 here in Mexico City. Welcome, Melina. So happy to have you back on our program. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me once again, Terry. It's my pleasure. So why don't we start with uh, you giving us some background as to what led up to uh, the April 10 referendum, where all that started, and why it was so important that it was actually carried out. Okay, well, there's a lot going on now in Mexico. Definitely, there is, I think, the most important part of this administration. Uh, the last three years, we've seen a lot of like um, improving the, the social programs about this, uh, uh, this campaign of the media, the corporate media against some of those administrations. But now we're like seeing, uh, we're seeing now the, the fight, the struggle, it's more visible than ever. So uh, what we saw last Sunday, we had a recall referendum and it's, uh, it's, it's amazing because if we, if we go back to the history in Latin America, we remember the referendum against Chavez in 2015, if I don't know, 2005, 2005, yeah, after the coup in 2002, um, and we remember that was the opposition, the one that was uh, inviting to vote in, in that moment. And Chavez won with a 60% of the 70% of the participation of the population at that time. It was amazing, it was incredible. He was uh, pretty sure that he was gonna win. And what we saw last, last Sunday here in Mexico was a total different. We saw a president uh, calling for their support uh, Supporters to participate in this referendum. This is the first time here in Mexico that we participate in something like this. And this is the first time also during this administration that we participate in a, a, in a consulta popular, in a, in a popular referendum too, uh, last year in August. 
uh, calling for a trial for the uh, former president. So we are uh, transitioning to a uh, participatory democracy here in, in our country. I'm, I'm sure about that. And uh, last Sunday, we needed the 40% of the total of the population that can vote um, to participate in this referendum. Uh, only participated 20%. The opposition in this country didn't want to participate. Uh, they said that it was only to legitimate AMLO's administration. And of course they were right. Uh, AMLO was pretty sure uh, that he was gonna win. He is one of the most, uh, of the presidents more, with more, uh, with most of the support like in, in general in, in planet, <laughs> the globe. He is, I think the second one uh, with this uh, support. He's around in the, even in conservative polls, he has around 60% of the support of the population, but we're pretty sure that it's around 70%. And it's a lot considering that we are, we're still like at the end, but we're still in the under a pandemic and he has a lot of uh, support. So uh, around, uh, 20, um, it was 27 million uh, people participated last Sunday, and more than 90% said yes to the, uh, to the president to continue the, his mandate. And it was amazing, simply amazing, because we had an electoral institute against the population, against the obradorismo, against the president, and all against this so-called uh, fourth transformation, la cuarta transformación here in our country. So even when we had everything against this referendum, people participated. It was, uh, it was not a surprise. Uh, AMLO has a lot of support. Uh, specifically, uh, he has more support after the elections in 2018. Uh, remember, we were under neoliberal, uh, almost a dictatorship under pre and after with the pan in this country. So people were really, really tired of this kind of government. So they they decided, even when they weren't uh, supporting AMLO, they were really, really tired of this government, uh, tired of repression, of persecution. So that's why AMLO won uh, with more than 60% of the votes in 2018. So now it's more important <laughs> though. So uh, this, uh, what we saw uh, this last Sunday, because we are in the middle of an approval of an electrical reform. And mm -hmm. I think it's the most important uh, action that AMLO has done during his mandate. Um, it is not, it's not looking for the nationalization of lithium, but it is looking for the control of exploration and exploitation mm -hmm. of, of this mineral, one of the most important nowadays in, in, in the whole planet, the so-called white gold. Uh, it yeah. is used uh, for technology, for cell phones, for laptops, uh, mm -hmm. for technology in general. And we remember that was that was uh, one of the main issues uh, why Evo Morales was defeated in a coup in 2019, yeah. the, the lithium. So we are in the middle of a, a, a big battle here in Mexico. Uh, it was planned uh, to be approved this uh, reform uh, yesterday, but now it's gonna be approved this Sunday is the discussion. So we're expecting for thousands of people to, to participate in this demonstration, trying to put some pressure on our legislators this Sunday. You know, this is um, 
I, well, there's two things. First, can you explain to uh, the audience what Cuatro Transformaciones, 4T, 4 trans, transformation? Yeah, I think this is uh, something that uh, it's part of these national governments, nationalist governments uh, in the region for the last decades. We've seen how in Bolivia they call their change process, el proceso de cambio to this government of Evo Morales and now with Lucho Arce in uh, Venezuela uh, under the neoliberal uh, governments, they called uh, the Cuarta República, the Fourth Republic, and then Chavez changed it not only to, revol uh, to the Bolivarian Revolution, but also uh, to the Fifth uh, uh, Republic. And now mm -hmm. what we're seeing here in Mexico is this narrative that we are under a big, 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 big uh, transformation. The first one uh, that AMLO is considering to say that this is the fourth transformation, uh, it's the independence, the process of independence. The second one is the revolution in 19, uh, 1910 in, here in Mexico. And then the reform. Uh, there were a lot of reforms here in Mexico to separate, for example, the church from the state uh, to, to keep uh, forward against the conservatives here in our country. And this, AMLO is saying all the time that this is the fourth transformation. So we're expecting, and I, 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 I insist that what, that's why it's so important what we've seen not only uh, last Sunday, but also what we're going to see next Sunday with this discussion. Uh, I think this is one of the most, not only uh, symbolic, but really like uh, the most uh, important initiatives that AMLO has going forward against the transnational interest against the, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say the oligarchy in this, in this, in this case of this reform, but uh, it's, uh, it's about um, the, the severity of this country. So yeah. it's not a little conversation about energy. It's a whole battle what we're gonna see next Sunday. And I'm sure that it's, it's, this is a battle that it's not only about what's gonna happen about, with the votes in the Congress. This is a battle that we are gonna fight in the streets, that we're gonna, that we are, as, we are already fighting in the media, in the independent media. We are fighting every single day against the New York Times against the Washington Post, against uh, Forbes and Los Angeles Times, and all of this media mm -hmm. that all the time are saying that, uh, that AMLO is uh, a risk to, to Mexico. You know, this narrative in the whole Latin America that we are going to be Venezuela, uh, that the, for the Sao Paulo Forum is going to be like our, uh, I don't know, I don't know how to say it, but you know, it's the, it's the same narrative in the, in the whole processes against Xiomara Castro in Honduras, against Lucho Arce in Bolivia. And the media has been fighting with this narrative that this reform, that the a referendum, that the, every single thing that AMLO's done um, it's against the democracy, it's against the human rights, it's against, you know, this same narrative. So this is going to be a big battle next Sunday, and we're expecting for, for a, like, big, a huge demonstration in the streets. Well, you know, this is all the narrative from the U.S., what you're describing is, you know, the template, the cookie-cutter narrative from the United States, when a nation... Uh, 
dares to proclaim national sovereignty, its own independent foreign policy, its own economic policy, its own military policy, if it has a military. But also, you know, you bring up the lithium. So this for Mexico is also an, it is about natural resource sovereignty, petroleum, lithium. And we saw this, and I think you would agree, throughout the elections, um, Bolivia fall of 2020, you were there, um, all the way through uh, December of 2021, there was a theme throughout Latin America and the Caribbean where, the, where populations voted for governments that were focused on preserving national sovereignty, preserving their natural resource sovereignty, which is basically an anti-colonialist statement, and also for governments of people voted for governments that were had an economic program focused on uplifting a wide swath of the population. And those economic programs were anywhere from one step to the left to revolutionary leftists. But nevertheless, they were economic programs focused on uplifting a broad segment uh, of society. So this, to me, what you're describing to us is, is just a continuation of this theme of this process happening throughout Latin America and the Caribbean. And I would yeah, argue actually, being led by Mexico in many ways. Yeah, actually, uh, this is something I'm really, really fun because uh, all the time I'm saying like, I'm, I'm, I'm really sure that the audience that is following me all the time is a little bit tired that I, I keep uh, talking about Latin America all the time. But this is the same, uh, the same what we've seen in Latin America for the last decades, and I won't say only for the tw uh, the last 20 years, uh, but for the last, uh, I don't know, maybe five, six decades, uh, what we saw in the coup against Salvador Allende in 1976 was uh, precisely because they wanted the, the, the natural resources of Chile, right. and they, uh, they assassinated Salvador Allende, you know? Yeah. So what we saw also in Honduras in the coup against uh, Manuel Zelaya in 2009, uh, what we saw is because they wanted the the the, the oil, they wanted the, the natural resources of Honduras, and also in Colombia or in any single country in Latin America, it has been the control this Monroe Doctrine <laughs> of the U.S. in Latin America trying to control all the nations, and Mexico is not a deception, you know. Uh, I might say that a lot of my leftist and revolutionary friends all the time are saying that uh, maybe AMLO's administration is not a socialist one or not an anti-capitalist, but also it's not that easy being the neighbor of the U.S. No. <laughs> you cannot yeah. wake up and say like, okay, we are going to expropriate or we're going to take control of the, the transnationals, you know, um, AMLO might be assassinated next day. So even when it's not that easy, AMLO has been radicalized, not only in his speeches, but also in his actions. We remember, yes. and we're, we've been talking about this, Terry, you and I all the time, yeah. every time that we <laughs> see each other, we're talking about this amazing speech that AMLO gave last year um, during the uh, center, the anniversary of, the, uh, of Simon Bolivar, um, how do you say yeah. His, his, well, we say the, the 238th anniversary of Simon Bolivar's birth. And that was, exactly. he gave that talk on uh, Discurso on 24 July. And I think you and I both agree and many of our friends that it was probably the most important speech in the Americas last year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we, 
We listened to an AMLO defending Cuba, talking about another organization uh, that might substitute the OAS. Uh, mm -hmm. When we've seen the role of the OAS during the last years, not only in the two last years, but also in like in the last 20 years or more in this country. And this wouldn't have happened two years ago with AMLO. Uh, AMLO has radicalized his vision of Latin America. All the time he was saying that his best foreign policy was the intern policy. And now we're gonna see next, uh, next month, he's gonna travel to Cuba, to Central America, to Argentina. You know, he knows already the role of the FMA, the IMF, uh, mm -hmm. the role of the OAS, the role of the US imperialism in the region. And and I think he's doing uh, a great, a great job. I, I might say I have a lot of critics uh, on his uh, migration policy, of course. <laughs> it's something that, that you know, has been like this, uh, um, I don't know how to say, but when the U.S. is asking AMLO to do something, he's, uh, the government is always asking to do something about migration policy. And AMLO has been clear that it's not the most progressive uh, uh, policy, what the Cuatro T, the Fourth Transformation, has uh, about when it comes about migration. So even with with these uh, these things about migration, he has been near to something, someone like Jean-Luc Mélenchon in in France. In, Fra in France, yeah, I confuse my, my French, 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 French. <laughs> This is a Spanglish episode. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's part of been, that 3,000 mile shared border <laughs> with the United States. Exactly. The cross cultural. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And we've seen also an AMLO near to Diaz Canel from Cuba, yeah. you know, and this. And, and, and making sure Maduro was invited to the SELAC summit last September yeah, as the democratically you know. elected president of Venezuela, and not the it's US appointed thing. president. If yeah, exactly. Even when the U.S. is asking to their colonies to detain Maduro in Europe or even the U.S., eh, AMLO invited him to the SELAC meeting here in Mexico City. Yeah. So I think it's something really important what, what is going on. Uh, remember, three years ago, Mexico was in the front, in the first line, attacking Venezuela all the time in this group of line. And after, uh, after AMLO took power in, in 2018, uh, we see, we saw Mexico in the OAS and everywhere, uh, like just respecting uh, the democratically elected government of Venezuela yeah. and things like that. So, uh, returning to the lithium, uh, I think that this is maybe the most important battle of Andalus administration mm. in this last. Three years, even when we, when, even when he's not talking about nationalization of the lithium, and only about the control of exploration and exploitation of this uh, resource, it's pretty important. It's also a talking about the control of electrical energy. Um, it's not talking about the like the whole control, uh, the Mexican state, it's not gonna control the whole electrical energy in this country. It's gonna take control of 52 
50% of the industry. And it's enough to make these transnational, these oligarchies really, really pissed, really angry, and they're attacking. Yesterday, it was just amazing. In the Congress, we, see, we saw these lobbyists uh, acting during the session. Actually, the president of the Congress has to stop the, the session because he said like, okay, we cannot continue if we have people that it's not, they're not member of the Congress, it just yeah. hanging around here in the Congress. Yeah. And it was an Italian lobbyist, you know, representing a, a transnational uh, sitting next to the PRD of this party that used to be from the left here in Mexico, just sitting next to this Congresswoman, uh, you know, like talking about the, the, the electrical reform. So, I think it's huge. I think it's pretty important what we're gonna see. Uh, we're expecting an aggressive uh, attack of the corporate media during the next days. Uh, we've seen oh, that's that. already happening in the north. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It is happening, and we've yeah. seen this specifically. This media outlet created with a Mexican. Uh, quotes and quotes journalists that are mm -hmm. based on uh, Delaware. It's not a coincidence. They created a, a, a company, a media outlet uh, called Latinos, uh, that they're attacking every single day from the U.S. with, mm -hmm. uh, you know, with, 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 uh, um, yeah, with uh, financiación, um, I don't know how to say it. The Financing. funding of, uh, funding. Yeah, the, mm -hmm. of uh, not only Mexican poli politicians, but also from enterprises, you know, they have been attacking the Mexican administrations for the last year, year and a half. It was yeah. created, if I, if I remember, in 2019, uh, as I said, in Delaware. In the right United after West. he was elected, inaugurated. Yeah, you know. and they have been attacking yeah. all the time. For example, they tried to create this expectation about the the house of AMLO's son in Texas, if I, don't, if I remember, it's okay, uh, saying that it was an energy uh, company that was, you know, like with this, uh, that it was a problem, a whole problem that it was, this uh, enterprise was funding sons, uh, AMLO's son. I, at the end, they can't, they couldn't prove anything, but they've been in these campaigns during the last three years, specifically yeah. this media outlet only for the last two. <laughs> but, you know, we have been every single day, actually one of these uh, first uh, of these people, of uh, these journalists, quote unquote, of Latinos. Uh, yesterday, uh, there was uh, um, an article of the, if I remember, in the New York Times, was okay? Mm -hmm. Just, New York, yeah. Well, there was an article, there was an opinion piece uh, a couple days after the referendum on the, on the temp uh in the washington post i mean it's it's very very clear since oh consistent i mean since his inauguration there's been you know once he laid out in his inaugural address what his vision was particularly wanting to be able to make sovereign decisions about natural resources and energy production that's when we saw, and I think this is really important for the audience to understand, is that's when the anti-OMLO narrative from the U.S. began. And it's not unique to Mexico. It's unique yeah. to any country, but specifically those in the hemisphere of the Americas that have any notion of so sovereign, national sovereignty, 
which also includes having you know the right to recapture their sovereignty over what they do with their natural resources and and that's going that is playing out very much so here i think it's really fascinating regarding last week's or sunday's referendum sunday the 10th april 10th that the vote was on sunday which is how elections are run in in mexico and that allows for everyone to participate or makes it much easier for uh registered voters to participate well but what was fascinating to me was this particular sunday sunday the 10th was palm sunday and in a in a majority catholic country that's a pretty significant day for the INE or INE, as we say here in Mexico, to select for the date of the referendum. It wasn't a date chosen by the president. It wasn't a date chosen by his party, Morena. It was a date chosen by the INE. And um, yeah, that was, you know, <laughs> there's no way they didn't know what that's, what Sunday, April 10 was, That's <laughs> yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely it was not, not a coincidence. And returning to the journalist I was talking about, this journalist from Latinos and the one who wrote in the Washington Post yesterday, last Monday, I remember when. And it was uh, it was also not a coincidence that the father of Leopoldo Lopez, you remember this leader of the Venezuelan opposition of the radical right wing, um, father of Leopoldo Lopez is a member of the European Parliament. And he has a... a Parliament, he was saying that the president AMLO was attacking this journalist, uh, Lore de Mola. So everything is united, you know, the international right wing are collaborating, collaborating in every single way, not only in the European Parliament, in the media, in the corporate media here in Mexico, in the US, uh, the right wing in Latin America is also pretty connected to the PAN, uh, the, the right wing party here in Mexico. So we are going to find a big battle this Sunday. So we call to the audience to be really, really aware that can help to spread these kind of messages to see, to keep looking because I'm really, I'm really surprised. Well, not surprised. I don't know what's what's the word, the excellent word, but I would like to 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 create in the U.S. audience this expectation of what's gonna happen because because we we're gonna need you, you know, as yeah. the as the Venezuelans, as the Bolivians needed all the the U.S. citizens during the last year specifically when the U.S. tried to create this civilization, this is, I, I, I cannot always, I can't pronounce that word, uh, destabilization? destabilization? Destabilization. Oh my God. Destabilization. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. I think that we're going to need the U.S. Yeah. to be aware of what's, uh, what's going to happen next Sunday. And I mean, in the rest of this administration, we're going to have only three years. Uh, we're just in the middle, uh, 2024, the election. So we are just around the corner. And I think this is going to be, uh, I won't say that we are under a, um, like a cool strategy or something, but I might say that something similar of what happened in Brazil with Lula, with Dilma, also- Well, this, they're uh, discrediting. Yeah, they're- There's an overt attempt to discredit what, what this president, what the Mexican president is doing and what the Mexican people elected him to do. There's yeah, a, exactly. It's a, it's so a discrediting at the very, I mean, that's probably a, so I was probably a, 
too politically kind word to use, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's why I said like millions of people voted last Sunday, you know, in the middle yeah. of a term, after a pandemic, after everything, after a, a media campaign in Mexico and in the US and in an international media campaign, uh, we have a president democratically elected with more than 60% of approval in this country. And they're trying to create this image of uh, an approval of, uh, you know, like people, we don't like the president or whatever. So we've seen this before, specifically during the last three years in Latin America. So I will say that we need uh, every single person that is watching this to, to keep looking of Mexican politics, to watch what's gonna happen, to see what's gonna happen next Sunday here. And I mean, in the rest of the administration, we're gonna expecting to fight more battles, not only with the electrical reform, not only about lithium. So yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be interesting what's gonna happen. Well, it's our job to keep the people in the States informed about all of this. And I hope that we can have you come back uh, in another week or two and talk about the results of this coming Sunday's um, electoral reform vote, because that is going to be so significant and is going to set the tone for the next, the next three years and beyond for Mexico. So thank you, Alina. I want to remind our audience that you've been watching What the F is Going On in Latin America and the Caribbean, Code Pink's weekly YouTube program. We broadcast live on Code Pink YouTube every Wednesday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. And also don't forget to catch Code Pink Radio every Thursday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern on WBAI New York City and WPFW out of Washington, D.C. And please be sure to follow uh, what's happening in Mexico. And we at Code Pink will do our very best to keep all of you in the States informed as to how things continue to progress here. Thank you so much, everyone.